Okay, I just have a word for you guys. Thank you for being here. That is so exciting. I, raise your hand if you guys are leaving tomorrow. So they're leaving tomorrow for a conference, and the night before a conference, they decide to come to church. That says something. That says something. And I just declare that tonight, as you guys receive this message, that you are going to go home in your families and you guys are going to be the teachers. That you have something to share with your mother and father, not to put them in their place, because they still are the, are the ones, you know, authority, but that you are actually going to teach them something. I see it all over the place. Receive what the Father has for you. I hate that you're way off on the side. I feel like you guys should be front and center tonight. I just bless you. I bless you. So I just want to welcome you to God's house. This is God's family room. This is not school. This is not like student and teacher. This is not like this, oh, I've got to sit through this thing and take notes. Get up, move. Go lay on the floor if you need to. I don't care. Check your phone if you need to. No, I'm serious, you guys. This is God's house. This is God's living room, family room. There's freedom in the house. I want you to put your hand on your heart. And I want you to say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to interrupt Lisa. Put your hand on your head. Nothing spiritual about this. It's just a prophetic act. Come speak to my brain. Rewire the way I think. You took the words right out of my mouth. You said that. I was like, that's in my notes. Rewire my brain. Put your hands on your eyes. Holy Spirit, take the scales off my eyes. Put your hands on your ears. Repeat after me. Holy Spirit, let me hear. Let me hear what you have to say tonight. So, Father God, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you. God, I don't really know what you're going to do tonight. But I thank you in advance, and I give you all the glory, all the praise, all the fame, all the credit, all the honor. God, will you always show up? And I'm giving you the credit, or I'm giving you the praise for that right now. And you said again, you just like between the back room prayer time, it's like between the two of you, like you, know, like you already said, like the whole night. I'm like, we're like so like minded or one accord right now, you know? I just, I love that. But you are not going to be able to receive my message tonight in your, with your intellect. You are not going to be able to receive this message and go, wow, I wonder how I could build that. You are not going to create a ministry out of this. You are not going to be able to figure this out by your own two hands. You have got to receive it by the Spirit, because this is going to be a move, and this is, this, it already is a move of God. This is an era, a changing of eras, and it can only be done by the Spirit of God. It can only be done by the Spirit of God, and we're going to start out. We're going to start out, Second um, Chronicles 7 14, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. Come on, you guys know this verse will humble themselves, pray, seek my faith, and turn from their wicked ways. Then, did you notice in the beginning of the verse it said, if, if, if. That means you have a responsibility and a part to do. If, we will do our part. Then I will hear you from heaven, and I will forgive um, your sins, and I will heal your land. Your family is your land. 
Your family is the authority that you have been given. This is not a parenting message tonight. This is, this is a, the body of Christ's message. You want to know why? Because all of you have parents. Because all of you have parents. All of you have a journey. Some of you are an active parent. Sometimes, some of you are, are, are being parented. But this message is for the whole body of Christ. And so I invite you to get on your knees right now, and we're going to do this verse. We're not going to talk about it. That's part of the new era, is we're going to stop talking and we're going to start doing. I invite you to get on your face, and we're going to stand in the gap. I know this is going to hit funny on some of you guys, but we are going to stand in the gap and ask for forgiveness for this generation. We are going to ask for forgiveness because there's only one bar, there's only one standard of righteousness, and that's God's. And some of our youth, some of our gener this generation, they have fallen short of the glory of God. They have fallen short of his standard of righteousness. Yes? Yes? Do we know what's going on in the world today with our youth? Yes. Okay, then we're asking for forgiveness on their behalf. So I'm going to start and you guys are going to end. Father, we ask for your forgiveness for the way that rebellion has come in. We ask for your forgiveness for the way that there's been disrespect, the way that they have spit on what you have created. Father God, we ask for forgiveness for the way that they have rewritten identity. We ask for your forgiveness for the way that they have rejected what you have said in your word. Father God, we ask for forgiveness for the way that they have denied what you have put together inside them in their mother's womb. Father God, we ask for forgiveness for the way that they have partnered with a sexual spirit. We ask for forgiveness for the way that they have medicated themselves with pornography, with alcohol, with cutting. Father God, we forgive them. We ask for, their, for, for your forgiveness for the way that they do not know who they are. Come on, I'm not the only one that should be praying right now. We ask for your forgiveness, Father God, for the way that they have fallen short of your standard of righteousness. Come on. Come on. These are words to be spoken out loud. We are turning and we are seeking your face. We are humbling ourselves for the next generation. If not in your family, then your neighbor's family. Forgive them, Father. It's like Jesus on the cross who said, Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know the fire they're playing with. Forgive them, Father, for they don't understand the spiritual realm and the doors that they are opening and the fruit that they will live down the road if they continue on this path. Forgive them, Father. Forgive them for the way that they have hurt your heart. Forgive them for the way they've not honored the parents that you have knit together for them. Forgive them for their lawlessness. Forgive them for turning against authority and thinking that that's the way to live life. Father, we ask for your forgiveness for this generation. Are there some of you, your knees are so worn out from doing this? We bless you for that. We bless you for the way that you're taking this next generation to the throne room. 
And Father God, we ask for your forgiveness for the ways that we, for the ways that we have directly or indirectly affected this next generation. We ask for your forgiveness for the ways that we have not known who we are so that we can teach them who they are. Forgive us, Father God, for the way that we are walking out our own journey and passing on some of that, uh, those unhealed places to our children. Forgive us, Father, for partnering with things like anger and pornography and alcohol and rage and swearing and wrong movies. Forgive us, Father, for the way that we have exposed our children to some of that. There is no condemnation, but there's a reality there's a reality in our homes, and we're seeking him, and we're repenting for it tonight. Because if you want to move in the spirit, you've got to start with the spirit. And the way to start with the spirit is to humble yourselves and take it to the cross. And so I'm going to give you a minute right now, and whatever is coming to your mind that you need to make right with God, make right with God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you say that when we do this, that you hear us. And that healing is yours when we take it to the cross. This is the position of this next era. This is the position of church. Get out of your pews and on your face. Let's stop talking about it and having you figure out Monday through Saturday how to, figure, how to do it. Let's do it in the house of God. And I just invite you to stay where you are. You can jump back up in your seat. You can do whatever you want because this is God's living room and there's freedom in his living room. But I want to teach you about something. I want to tell you a story because I believe before we can go forward, it's wise to just take a couple steps back. Thank you, Jesus. It was 300 years ago. I want to put this in context for you. That is your fourth, that is your grandparents' fourth great-grandparent. That's seven generations ago. That's a long time ago is what I'm trying to say. And in that era, there was a man named William. I'm going to just walk you through the story really quick. And William was, was a believer and he saw that all those children back at that, that era, that these children worked in the factories. Could you imagine working 14, 15 hours in a factory six days out of the week? Children, young adults younger than you guys. And that's what they did to contribute to the family. And William decided, wait a second, if these kids are in the factories all the time, they're not learning their ABCs and their one, two, threes. And so they had room in the church building and they decided that they were going to start a school on Sunday for children where they taught them the ABCs and the one, two, threes. And it had nothing to do with God. It had nothing to do with Jesus. It had nothing to do with salvation. It was, there was nothing religious about it whatsoever. Children had a need and the church was the answer. 
And William, and William had great success with one class, with one little group of children. It was super, super successful. Don't you love how God can put a seed? Come on. Come on. You know where I'm going with this story? One seed, one class, one person obeyed. And William mentioned to his friend Robert, hey, this is so successful, you should try it too. And Robert's like, eh, I don't know. He travels to the city, he meets with a friend, and he sees all these kids running around, and he's like, what's with all these kids? And his friend said, are you kidding me? Wait till you see it on Sunday when we're in God's house trying to read the word and the kids are outside and the swearing and the yelling and the beating each other up. It's pure chaos. We're not the first generation that has had chaos with, with our youth. And he got convicted. I'm starting that Sunday school, that school on Sunday that my friend deposited that seed in me. And these children went from, and I really say children because we're talking six, seven, eight years old age, and we're talking little kids. And so they would come and they would learn the ABCs. And the factory workers started reporting, oh my goodness, they used to be like lions and tigers and bears, and now they're like young men. There was transformation because the children had a need that the church met and the children were empowered. We don't have to be so heavenly focused that we're no earthly good. And all of a sudden, the government started paying attention. And they're like, wow, you guys are onto something. You think? You think? Don't you think God knows the answer and solution to what our children need? Amen. And the laws started, to, they started making laws to protect the kids. Did you just hear that? The government made laws to protect the children. Because the children were empowered with what they needed. And they were transforming culture and they were transforming the, the economic system. And it was super, super successful until the government came in and de declared that children actually needed to be in school and no longer in the factories. And something happened in the church at that moment. Something happened. And instead of being um, school on Sunday to meet the need of a child, they decided, we're going to turn this into Sunday school, and now the children have to come, and they have to learn about God. Can you see the switch? Can you see the switch? It went from meeting a need to a you have to be here. And I think there was a, there was a couple generations where it just worked, where, the, where it just kind of crossed over. Does that make sense? It just kind of worked for the overlap. I may offend some of you with this, but I'm okay with that. Because it's not my job to lead you to truth. It's Holy Spirit's job. So if you're, if you're getting like, eh, about anything that I'm saying, you just go ahead and grab Holy Spirit. And you say, Holy Spirit, you're the one that's supposed to lead me to truth. Tell me about what you just said. And you let him rearrange what I just said. And, you, you know, re re rearrange whatever's inside of you. You let him speak truth to you. But I dare say that I think in this hour that we have reached the expiration date of Sunday school. The Sunday school is past the expiration date. You got to know the season. You got to know the time. And it was the most successful thing to have school on Sunday. But I'm not so sure that Sunday school is still doing the job. Now, before you guys go, and, and, and this is not an attack on this house. It's not an attack on your house. It's not an attack on Sunday school leaders. It's not an attack on youth group leaders because you guys are all like, wow, we love our leaders. They're amazing. It's not an attack on any person. It's not an attack on a house. It's not even an attack. It's not against something. It's actually for something. Yeah. 
Yes, there's been tons of fruit in our generation and the generation before us and whatever in Sunday school. Praise God, he's good. That's not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about an operating system of a church that I think is, is past its expiration date. It's past its expiration date. The Bible says, train your child, train the child in the ways that they should go. If you look at that in the context of, of uh, an athlete, you're training for 45 minutes a week and you think you're going to be that strong? 45 minutes of training a week? Come on, we need to repent for what we've been putting on Sunday school leaders. We need to repent for how much responsibility we have put on them when actually it has been ours. We need to repent of that. But here's the deal. Nobody gets to be condemned in this room. We don't do condemnation here. We didn't start this. We were parented by parents who put the responsibility on Sunday school to turn you into a spiritually fit disciple. And that concept right there is such an inferior way of discipling our children. It's so unbelievably inferior. And you know what? The enemy's played on it. The enemy has played on it. Do you agree with me? He's played on it. And I want to walk you through the dynamics of what, ha what has happened over the generations. And it's not about a fault. It's not about who's wrong. It's about just what happened. Because I do think there was a generation that could have and should have stewarded this maybe a little bit differently. If you have church that is responsible for our children's uh, spiritual um, dis being discipled, right? It's supposed to be on the parent. And somewhere it got crossed over to the church. And if the, it's the church's responsibility, then that means that parents have less uh, responsibility or they're, not, they're no longer empowered. Are you following with me? Okay. So if God says you are empowered and you are going to stand before me someday naked, naked, and you're not going to be able to hide behind anything, and you are going to have to give an account for Lauren, Emma, Hudson, and Allie, and you are not going to, my children, and you are not going to be able to say, well, I passed them out to Susie. Susie did a mighty fine job. The pastor did a mighty fine job. God's like, no, 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 no. I gave you the responsibility of those children. The church should be a blessing. The church should be a bonus to reinforce what we're getting in home, not the other way around. Follow with me, please, with this. So what happens when we lower our position or move out of alignment from the God's design for family? There's like a key word, it's out of alignment. When you're out of alignment, it's an open door for the enemy. It is an open door for the enemy. You are covered when you do it God's way. You are not covered when you don't do it God's way. Yes? Okay. And this is what's happened in today's world. Because we're so far away from the original, um, the, the, his original plan for it. Is it disempowered parents? Let, let, let's, let's do this for a second. If I don't like snakes, which I don't, and I see a snake, and my, my flesh is like, ooh, a snake! God still says I'm supposed to take that thought captive. Come on, I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm a big girl, that's a small animal, you know, move away, you know, whatever. 
But if I feast on that and feast on it and feast on it and feast on it, I will actually open up to a demonic spirit of fear. And I will be afraid of a snake when a snake isn't even in the room. And when you continue to operate outside of God's plan, it opens us up to the demonic. And this is what's been opened up in families. I have a parent ministry. I deal with parents all over the globe. This isn't a Colorado issue. This isn't a United States of America issue. This is a global issue. This is in South Africa. This is in Australia. This is in New Zealand. It is everywhere. Because we are, we've moved out of our position of authority and we've handed it, we've abdicated it over to somebody else. The enemy has preyed on that and it's opened up our families to a spirit of anxiety. There's a dull buzz of anxiety in families. Why, why, why the anxiety? Think of Braveheart. Think of a warrior who's prepared and confident and has the tools and, 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 and uh, the weapons. They run into the war, right? Yeah. Now think of somebody that's not empowered. You're going to see the battle and you're going to be like, get me out of here. Parents are supposed to be running into the battle with our children. We are supposed to be running to the spirit that is attacking our children. And we are supposed to be taking that and dealing with it. But instead, parents are finding it and they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And there's anxiety over that. Send them to church camp. Send them here. Send them to church. Send them to this because the church will do it. We have a belief. We have a belief in the world where you're trained. You can do it better. You've gone to school. You know Jesus more than I do. And we think they're going to go ahead and clean up our mess. I hope there's not a whole lot of really little kids in the room, but I'm going to share this story. I had a friend recently reach out to me. She's a children's pastor, and she does a camp. She's a camp director every summer. And she called me, and she said, I was so unprepared for what I saw. My team needs ministry because of what they saw this year with camp. 640 kids they had. And there's always the kids that come from broken homes or they've got behavioral issues or, or whatnot, right? But she said, Lisa, these kids are, are like demonized sexually. Children hitting on other children. Bath time or shower time. Clothed children going into the showers just to watch. Children. Sexually ad making sexual advancements towards adults. Are we awake? And you think you're going to send that child who just thought that it was appropriate to do that with an adult? You're going to send them to church camp? And then you're going to stand before the Lord someday and say, I paid good money for church camp? Because one of two things is happening for that child. Either they are being abused in their own home and sending them to camp isn't going to cut it. Are you following me? Yeah. Or that child is being exposed to something somewhere else and that parent is the one that is on watch. You cannot abdicate that to somebody on Sunday morning. There's a demonic spirit called anxiety. And when there's this anxiety, this low-grade anxiety in homes because parents are not empowered, when conflict comes, parents are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Come on, that's not a recipe for feeling good. 
And do you know how many times, how, do, how many of you know that the enemy is a master? He's a master at wooing you and then slamming you. He woos you into the porn and then slams you with shame. He woos you into the sin and then slams you with it. He, he just loves doing that, right? And so he, there's, this, there's this anxiety that's created in families. And then he hands you two tools to deal with the, the anxiety. Do you want to know what those two tools are? Busyness. Busyness is a spirit. Not that it can just be busyness, because we're not managing our time well. But it's a demonic spirit to get you to be busy, because when you're quiet, you have to feel that spirit of anxiety. It just makes you so nervous. You just have to get up and do something. In the 1970s, the fast food industry took off because it was the family's answer to busyness. We're so busy, we need an alternative. We need food brought to our, made fast, because we're so busy. You guys, we didn't start this problem. This was inherited. Are you following me? And the second, the second spirit has to do with a, something physical. Pornography, affairs, Alcohol, cutting, something where there's a physical release. And it's a spirit. It's a spirit. Yes, there are sexual issues that are from needing to work out something on the inside. Yes. To our children, I declare it's a spirit. It's a spirit that is working them. Moms. We are called to be the nurturer and the comforter and the teacher. We have the DNA of the Holy Spirit. But when there's that dull, gray buzz of the anxiety and we have to keep busy, have we honestly, honestly abdicated our throne so that a demonic, a sexual spirit is comforting our children? Because sex does comfort. And sex releases a chemical in our brain that gives us the will to fight and endure hard things. Have we honestly abdicated our throne and allowed that to happen in our home? Yes, this generation has. And it's been done to many of us. I want you to close your eyes. And I just want you just to let the Lord speak to you for a minute. What does he want to tell you right now? Pray right now, Holy Spirit, that there are some people that have been entangled with the Spirit in their home, and they've allowed this in their home, and they've been intimidated by the Spirit because it's so rampant. 
And I feel like it's getting exposed right now that it's actually a spirit. (laughs) It's actually a spirit. Holy Spirit, you are so powerful and you are so big and you 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 are just so mighty. And I'm actually asking you to break off that spirit off of people in this room, in your homes today. A mom came to me and she said, I, I, I want to homeschool. I, I, I want to send my daughter to public school, but I feel like I'm supposed to homeschool, but I don't feel like I'm called to be a homeschool mom, but I don't know what to do. And I said, well, what's your motive? What's your motive for homeschooling? And she goes, oh, my goodness, this is California. She goes, oh, my goodness, the sex education curriculum. I just couldn't imagine my kindergartner having to, to go through that. And then I'm listening to her. I'm hearing fear. And I told her, I don't think you should homeschool or public school. She's like, what do you mean, home like Todd back? And I said, no. I said, you're not afraid of sex. You're afraid of the spirit behind it that has an agenda to kill, steal, and destroy your child. So unless until you know your authority over that spirit, there's no safe place for your child. Know your authority, rise up against that spirit, and you can send your child anywhere. Right? Right? Come on, come on. Going back to the church on this dynamic, did that make sense to you guys? Did that make sense about that? Okay, there needs to be, I believe that we are moving out of the church era, moving into the kingdom era, and we are standing in the middle. We are standing in the middle. The message that I'm walking in right now, I want to tell you, I believe that it was in, my, in me, in my DNA, um, in, in my belly, when, when my, I was knit together in my mom's belly. It's been in me from the beginning of time. And the enemy has tried to take me out three times with death. Three times I should have died and I didn't. And God was saying, no, 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 she's mine. She's mine, you can't have her. She's mine, I'm going to use her. And I feel like there's so many of you in this room that have those seeds. You have those seeds that didn't match the, the, the church era. You have felt lost and confused or out of place or rejected or abandoned or told that your gifts aren't wanted or whatever. And you're holding on so like by your fingertips because you love Jesus and you just, you just have one ounce more faith that something's gonna, got, or going to give. Something's got to give. But this last era didn't work for you because God was saving you. You weren't supposed to be a part of this era. You're a part of the new era. You're a part of the new era. You're a part of the new that God wants to do. Come on, did that bear witness to you guys? Because there is a generation, and and we talked about this before, generation does not mean generation. Generation means a new, yeah, there you go. It means a new body. It's not the new body of Christ, but it's it's a new rising up of the body of Christ. And I just want to break, I'm so all over the page right now with my message, but that's okay. I just want to break off of you that, have co- that are coming from the church era, that have felt so beaten up, so lost, so rejected, so shut down. Like the enemy has come to try to perform a spiritual abortion on you over and over and over again. We break that trauma off of you. And it's been trauma. It has been trauma. We break that off of you. Even that is a spirit, a trauma of spirit. And we break um, uh, a spirit. Spirit of trauma. We break that off of you. Amen. 
And we declare we need you in this new era. We need you with what God is doing on earth today. It isn't about Lisa's got all the revelation and I just need to release and teach it. This is, I'm just sounding the alarm. You have answers and solutions for Sunday school. You have answers and solutions for the family. You have answers and solutions. And we talked about this back there. We're doing this together this time. There is no stage. There is no rock star Christian. We're doing this together. We are doing this together. So church, we've got to figure out how to do Sunday school different. We've got to figure out how to let the old be old and let the new come in. I'm not going to talk about the how-tos right now tonight, but if you go to my website, Let the Children Fly, underneath shop, there's two Zoom meetings set up, one for leaders, one for parents. A leader can go to the parent one, a parent can go to the leader one, it doesn't matter. We're going to do it, I think, the the first week in August. And in those meetings, we're going to talk more about the how-tos of some of this stuff, but tonight we're just talking about the what. Is that okay? Um, But church, we've, we've got to do it different. We've got to figure out how to stop talking to our children about being uh, Daniel in the lion's den and start letting them be Daniels. We've got to stop putting on them your world changers when they can't even change the brother down the hallway. We did a poll and we asked a, a, a bunch of kiddos, we said, have you ever heard the phrase, you're a world changer, you don't have a junior Holy Spirit, you're going to change the world. How do you feel about that? I feel pressure. I feel scared. I don't know what to do with it. We've got to stop putting our kids in cars that can barely reach the gas pedal and telling them to drive 180 miles an hour. And we need to figure out how to go after their character and go after their identity and go after who God has called them to be. And out of that place, the power comes. Out of that place is the revival. We can't go after revival. We can't go after our children being rock stars. We cannot go after doing good things without we, before they've learned how to be. Church, we've got to have this conversation and figure this out. I, I wanna say a word of warning if I can. I'm so afraid in this message. I'm so afraid that churches are going to come together and they're going to say, yeah, she's right. We need to go after this parenting thing totally different. And we need to equip parents how to be parents. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Because all we would be doing is going from a Sunday, or like church, um, kids school to parent school. You've got to be uncomfortable in this season. You've got to be willing to not have it all figured out. Many years ago, somebody said, Lisa, you should write a book on all the ways that families can release the kingdom through their children at the doctor's office, at Walmart, or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I should write a book. It's what I do. And for three days, it just ate at me. Have you ever had somebody say something and it just does not sit right? And finally, I went before the Lord, and I'm like, wow, why does this bother me so much? It's what I do, God, and I do empower parents how to do this. So why does writing a book feel so ugh to me? And he said, Lisa, if you write a book with what I've done in your family, other parents are going to be so hungry for the kingdom of God 
Come on, they're hungry for it. It's just the responsibility is on the wrong place. As he said, they're, they're going to read that book and they're going to go, Lisa did A plus B, and Lisa did this, and so I'm going to do this, and, and this is what God said. And they're going to do it without me. And they're going to expect the same results. And all that's going to do is teach them that I don't work. I was so grieved. I was so grieved. No wonder that violated my spirit. But then I had a conflict, and I was like, but God, what do I do? Because that's what I do. And God said, Lisa, the reason why your family is in revival, the reason why your family is successful, we're not successful. We are fruitful. The reason why we're fruitful is because I have found the river of life in heaven called parenting. It's not the only river, but as far as parenting and partnering with Holy Spirit, as a single mom, I found it. And God said, instead of having parents model their life after you, teach them about the river. Teach them about the river. And they all can write their own book. Because here's the deal. I'm all over the page with this message. That's okay. Because here's the deal. You are not raising the same kids as you are. And you're not raising the same child that you are. And you're not raising, and you're not the same child as you. And you don't have the same destiny as you. And you don't have the same generational past as you do. The only one that knows that is mom and dad. The only one that knows that is the parents. Are you following me? Why this is so important. This is so, so important. There's no way one person could raise 25 children of somebody else's. Yes, yes, yes. Here our land means here are the places that we have authority over. Churches, we've got to figure out how to help parents go back in that place of authority and stop taking over responsibility that is not ours. And parents, we've got to learn how to step back into that place, not on my watch. Not on my watch. Somebody said to me one time, they said, Lisa, what do you do with a child that says, I hate you, and they slam the, slam the door in your face? I said, it doesn't happen in my house. Because I've taught them from the time they were very little how to respect me. It doesn't happen in my house. But if it did, then they added this. They said, well, it's not like you can control them or anything, you know. And I, I said this to her. I said, you know what? If my child is feeling hatred in their heart towards me, and they are running in their room and slamming their door, Game on, Satan, for thinking you can put a wall up between me and my child. It's warfare mode. It's warfare mode. Not in my house is the enemy going to work my child that hard to tell them that they're better off being an orphan than underneath my love and covering. I would fight tooth and nail on my face, partnering with Jesus for the answer, the keys, and the solutions for that child. And I would go after them with everything within me. There's no way. Well, you can't control them. No, but I have authority over the devil. I have authority over the devil. And I would use it. And I would stand until that thing bowed. And I would stand some more.
Malachi 4, 4, 6. You guys took this in the green room too, or in the program too. I just said green room. I've been in a few green rooms. We don't do that anymore. Okay, so it says, um, remember, this is the Message Bible, remember and keep the revelation I gave through my servant Moses. That's the commandments, obviously. Um, uh, the commandments um, um, for all of Israel, the rules and the procedures for right living. But also look ahead, I'm sending Elijah, the prophet, to clear the way for the big day, the, decis the decisive judgment day. He will convince parents to look at children and children to look at their parents. If they refuse, it says right here in the Word, if they refuse, I will come and put a curse on their land. I just think that's a really serious verse. I think that's a really, really serious verse. I didn't write the book. God did. I didn't write it. God did. I want to talk really quick. I know we're running out of time, but I, I want to talk really quick. I want to, I want to just go through a little bit of a tour. Um, I, I want, as a watchman for families, I, um, I want to speak to the fathers really quick. And there's something collectively that I keep seeing globally with, with fathers. And, and I, there's many fathers doing a fabulous job. Kudos to them for figuring out what their authority is. But I'm seeing collectively, I'm seeing fathers that are very angry. And fathers that are saying, I'm just, I, go to, I have a, such a short fuse. And fathers that are just feel so checked out in the home. Fathers, you are football coaches. And you're trying to get your family to score a touchdown. And when your team doesn't listen to you, and they backtalk to you, and they disrespect, and they argue, and they challenge every play, how are you supposed to win? How are you supposed to win? How does, it, the anger makes sense. The checking out makes sense. Maybe it's not an anger issue. Maybe it's an authority issue. Maybe we need to go back into our place of authority and teaching our children what it looks like to honor and respect. Man, I have such a heart for you. I love you. I love moms. Moms keep me up at night. Parents are my people group, but I have such a heart for moms. Let the children fly is nothing but the, the um, answers or the solutions or the strategies that my mom needed to raise me, but she never had. That's my love offering back to her. She passed away when I was young. And I, didn't ha I never had it with her, but now we get thousands of families that are having the tools of heaven. I just think that's kind of amazing. That's quite the legacy. That's quite the legacy. But moms, I'm seeing collectively, I'm seeing this spirit of rejection coming on moms that is actually turning them from their children. I'm hearing moms confess to me all over that I, that they are almost repelled by children Come on, to birth your baby and then feel this, rep this, this repelling from your child. Part of it is because they never got it from their parent and yet they're expected to give it. 
That's a scary thing for a mom to acknowledge that. We need to walk in our authority and realize that's not coming from within you. That's coming on you. When I tell parents that, I have mothers weeping. Here I thought something was wrong with me that I'm rejecting my child. No, baby. That's the spirit that you need to take authority over. This is my child that God gave me to love and to nurture. I won't let that spirit get in between me and my child. Come on. Come on. Are you guys good? I feel like we just hit a lull. I feel, I feel like we hit a lull. Are we okay? Okay. <clears throat> we need to understand this. We need to understand this. God did not make family. God, then Jesus, then Holy Spirit, then Dad, then Mom, firstborn child, middle, baby, the dog, the cat, the fish. God didn't do that. He didn't make it in that order. There isn't this order of importance. I mean, God's important, you know what I mean? But, but there's not this order of, like, you know, um, authority. There's not this order of, like, of power. This is not God's plan for family. This is. And dad is always the head of the household. And mother will always be smarter than the baby. Come on. I mean, it's just obvious. But when we view family like this, then we are the ones that have to mold and train our children into something. God knit them together in his image, but with you in mind. Come on, you guys. This is the greatest strategy of the father right here. In his image, they're not many use. In his image, but with you in mind. When God knit you together, it was in his image with your parents in mind. And he knows everything about your story, what you got, and everything about your story that you didn't get. And he knit this child together to bless you, train you, teach you, to heal you. You didn't graduate to become an adult. And you stop being a child and stop being parented. He's like, wow, you had 18 years with your mom and dad. And I'm going to knit these children together to make up for the rest of it. Could you see what I'm saying? That's God's built-in design for family. I could tell you story after story after story after story of how those four children, God parented me through those children, and it rearranged something in me. It healed something in me. Where I want to be a mother and I want to like scold and yell and make, you know, stop that so I feel comfortable. And God's like, no, baby, that's in you that needs to be healed. Why is this important? Because what I just told you right there, to me, that's revival. Amen. Revival isn't up here. To me, revival is when God wants to use them to do something in me and I encounter the Father. I just got revived. Yeah. Something just came alive. We might not need, I want to say this respectfully, we might not need all the ministries that we have in church if we just figured out that God already built it into families. We might not need to keep overcompensating for his original plan. Maybe his original plan was good enough. 
I'm going to tell this story. I told it at your church, but I'm going to tell it really quick again. And then you kiddos are going to come up really quick. Um, my kids, we always had an open floor plan. And um, it meant just like a larger open space and um, in our house. And I have four kids. And when they were um, much younger, I had like a little daycare because they were like, you know, four of them is a lot. And they were all close in age. And it just was crazy, you know. And they would start running in the kitchen and the dining room and the living room. And they'd start, you know, going and just zooming around. And I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm a fun mom. I can handle noise and mess and Nerf guns and all that kind of stuff. But all of a sudden, it would hit one decibel too much. And I'd be like, shut this down. You know, like, go watch a movie. And I would just kind of go into that frenzy mom. And because we have authority and we can do it. You know, we can use our authority to, like, keep our, our wounds comfortable. <laughs> Come on. And all of a sudden, I did that for years with them. Calm down, stop aside, whatever. I could never figure out what was that one decibel that just put me over the edge. But, but I was noticing a pattern. And one day the Lord said to me, what are they doing wrong? I said, I know, I just don't like it. But now I'm realizing that the Lord is saying, maybe it's not them, maybe it's me. And so I'd go in the back bedroom and I'd listen to them zooming around crazy. And I'm hearing laughter and joy and connection and giggles and I'm having a near panic attack. Why? Why is my heart so not at peace? when everything out here is so peaceful. And this went on for like six months. I think when God wants to heal something in you through your kids, Holy Spirit whispers to your kids and just tells them, go run around again, go run around again. I really think that's part of God's plan. I do. Trigger you so much that you get healed. Children will trigger everything inside of you that you didn't get, that you didn't get in your 18 years. Yeah, right? that you didn't get or that marriage didn't trigger you in. Your children will. That's God's design. To heal those places. And finally, after about six weeks, the Lord said, Lisa, in your house, so we had four siblings too, as he said, your mom and dad did not know who they were. And when you kids ran around, somebody would be beaten. Because they were not okay with the noise and the volume and childlike joy. It made me anxious. And God said, you have two choices. You're not going to beat your children, but you're going to pass on to them, joy is bad. Well, baby girl, you've got to learn to come and be comfortable with joy. Because it says in the word that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And I had to learn through my children how to be comfortable. I dare declare that's revival. I dare declare that if every family started doing this and every church started, stopped having parent ministries or Sunday school, I'm not saying get rid of Sunday school, I'm saying do it in the context of this, and started empowering parents how to go to God. God is sufficient enough to bring revival. Maybe it's not something we have to manufacture. Maybe we just need to figure out what's standing in the way. The spirit of anxiety, the spirit of busyness, the spirit that, we just, that we've already talked about tonight. Maybe revival isn't something that has to happen. Maybe revival is always possible, but this stuff is damning it up. Yeah. Come. Come. Is there a microphone for them? I hand the microphone. Hi. Oh, I have a microphone on. Why don't we stand back? So um, why don't we come up here so everybody can see? Is that okay? 
You guys get the stage. Can I have five minutes to do this? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Real quick. This morning, oh, I can't even see. This morning, as I was praying, I felt like there was something about the kids, and I, I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, God, what do you have for them? What are you going to do? And we sat this morning as a family, and um, we, we were kind of just pressing in, and I, can't, I couldn't figure it out, and um, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And so I went to the bathroom, and isn't it funny how God can speak to you in the bathroom? And all of a sudden, God's like, that's it. That's what I'm supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to go after tonight. So um, I asked the kids. I said, wait a second. What does revival look like to you? My kids just came from, from a super powerful environment. My kids have prophesied, to world, prophesied over world leaders. My kids have prophesied over people that have ended up getting a tattoo of the, of the prophetic word. My kids have prophesied over babies, and babies have been created. Like, like they have seen... Um, people get healed. Like, they have seen all the power. And I asked them, what, what, ha- what is it that you feel closest to Jesus? Or where you feel most alive and you feel so, um, like, in revival with Jesus? And they started unpacking their answers, and I was weeping this morning. Yeah, just take two seconds. Uh, maybe I misunderstood you. Do you want them to go get the kids right now, or can we have five more minutes? Okay, okay, do it really quick, and then we'll move on to this. Okay, so you're Lauren, and what, what did you say? Um, I feel, is this on? I feel the closest to Jesus when I'm um, struggling or going through tough times. Um, I know that I, I belong. I know that I fit in. I've never not had friends, but I'm 17, and so um, as long as I could remember, um, I've always like kind of felt this presence just following me around, watching, just waiting for me to fail, and I felt like, if I failed, then I would, like, be kicked out, and I would feel all alone. Um, and in that, in feeling that presence there, I felt like uh, I would always, like, uh, just, I would shy away. Like, I wouldn't be able to be, like, the full expression of who I was. Um, and then recently, one day, we had a family meeting, and we decided to press in and ask Jesus what was the key to my breakthrough. And Jesus, uh, he, so, he brought me back to, like, when I was about five, and I was happy... He, uh, I was having a sleepover with friends. Uh, we were in the living room. We were about to go to bed, and I was just paralyzed with fear. I started crying uncontrollably. Um, I felt like someone was going to break in and take me. And uh, the mom, not really knowing what was going on, she just thought that um, putting us in another room upstairs would help. But that spirit of fear still followed me. I was still crying. I was still paralyzed with fear. Um, I still felt like someone was going to break in and take me. Um, and so then my friends chime in and then they're calling me a crybaby. Like they get mad at me that, um, I keep moving them around. They're just like, just stop already. Um, but I feel like in Jesus, uh, showing me that picture, we were able to break off that spirit of fear and break off the feeling of having to be perfect, um, um, the fear that I'm going to be kicked out, um, or all alone if I, if I'm not perfect, um, uh, so we were able to break that. And then another uh, layer to that is I've had really, like, bad constant acne ever since, like, I was in elementary school. And um, we broke that off. And then, like, the next day I woke up and it was, like, completely gone. Um, 
So she's managing the anxiety of that spirit of fear that was causing anxiety. So we asked as a family what was going on for you, right? And God revealed the keys to us. She breaks off the spirit of fear, and the next day she wakes up acne free. Uh, what, was even, what was even more amazing about that story is that um, God had like allowed me to work through that in childhood, that um, I was able to like end it there, break off those spirits there, rather than carry it, um, carry it with me on through college, um, when I'm married and when I have kids, but I was able to work through it. I had my family to help me um, press in and uh, break that off. So, Can you handle that that's the picture of revival? Can you handle that revival might not look like kids doing wild and crazy things in front of the church? Can you handle that, that that revival looks like in the family? I think we have to rewrite our definition of revival. We're waiting for this glorious stuff to happen in the presence of God. That's revival. That will forever change her day forward. Good job. Um, for me, I feel closest to God just kind of when I'm like, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, when I'm by myself, when I'm like in the back of the room, and um, also just when I'm like, you know, struggling with some stuff. And an example is when we were about five, we became a single family, and I just had to work through a lot of the hurt of our dad leaving and, you know, like just being like, you know, my identity and, you know, all that. And one time I was just really struggling with it. And my mom kind of sat me down and she was asking me questions like, you know, how are you feeling right now? Why are you hurt? Um, like, and she asked me, she asked me to go ask Jesus, what lie am I believing? And I said something like, um, I don't, my dad doesn't love me because I'm not pretty enough. And so she could tell right there that that was a lie, you know, that something about my identity was off. And she didn't want to tell it. She didn't want to come tell that to me. She wanted me to go to God so I could see his truth. And so when I asked him, I got this picture of me in this, like, you know, ballroom dress dancing with God. And I think from that moment on, like, dance has become really important to me because that is, you know, it's showing me that, like, you know, I am pretty, that I, you know, my way of connecting with God is dance. And I, you know, from that, I've learned that even though I might not have an earthly father, I do have God as my father, that he, he's no longer God, but he's, you know, my daddy, and I can come to him, I can, you know, talk to him, I can pray with him, and so that's just kind of for me. If that's not revival, you don't need a ministry going after orphans and teaching them how to be sons and daughters when they learn when they're five who their father is. It's revival. Real quick, buddy. So I'm basically like some, uh, uh, okay. sorry, can you rephrase the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're totally, you're totally fine. Let Ellie go, and then we'll go back to you. Let Ellie go. So what does revival look okay, like? Okay, so I feel the closest to God when um, I have a, like, whenever I make a mess, and he's always there to comfort me. Like this one time, I made this super big mess, and I disobeyed my mom's rules, and I also disobeyed God. And um, when everything came out, um, sorry, <laughs> when everything came out, mom just kept, like, telling me that, like, God loved me and that, like, she kept inviting him in and that she, um, he was just telling me that, like, he wasn't mad at me. And because of that, like, love in that, because of his love in my mess, it 
made me have this convic conviction about what I was doing, and it made me like this super con strong conviction. I've never met a, a, a teenager more convicted in the area of purity than this girl, because when she made a mess, she met Jesus. So when I feel closest to God, it's when uh, either I mess up and uh, do something bad, and God intervenes. An example of that would be, uh, as probably most of you guys heard, um, uh, mom asked me to clean up my room, and I repeatedly told her I had, and she came down and found that I hadn't, and I was like five or something, and uh, she ended up getting uh, pretty mad, and uh, partway through she, uh, her sentence, she left, and um, I felt like I was supposed to ignore everything she said, so ever since then, I've kind of not like like, in a way, I haven't cared what people said. Like, that's like, could have been offensive to other people. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And when God says, God told him, you can ignore her. He goes, I just got upset. And he has absolutely had a conviction since then. He doesn't have to receive everything that people say over him. Yeah. Come on, that's revival, you guys. This is revival, and it's stewarded in the home. You guys did great. You guys did great. Yeah. <laughs> I want to respect what you need to do. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Go ahead. Pray for the youth. Yeah, so before yeah, we release the youth, yeah, we're going to do it quickly. Where are all the parents? Oh, tell the parents to come in. <laughs> um. Yeah, so they have camp tomorrow morning. They're coming bright and early, so parents are waiting for their kids out back. So we just want to bring up, can we bring up the youth? Can you guys come up front? So they're going to, for those of you who don't know, they're going to be going for three days here, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and, um, and the Holy Spirit's going to move, and uh, we're going we're gonna to see uh, some amazing things happen. These, these kids have a, a kids, these, these amazing youth and teen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, real quick. Put a circle around them. Come around, come around, and we're going to just, we're going to pray, lay hands on them, and uh, so good. So come in, come in this way. Come this way. Okay, youth, come over here near me. Come on, we're going to make a little circle up around the middle. I know we smell, but it doesn't matter. Come on. Come on, guys. All the young adults. Jaden, rally them this way. Very good. Thank you. All right. We're going to pray around you guys. I'm going to get to pray over you guys. This is so fun. And then I'm going to have Brooks in here too. We have Jubilee Fellowship Church Youth Group with us too. Jubilee, raise your hand. Their, their youth pastors are here. Would you tell me your name? Eric, Eric and Brooke. And so I'm going to ask you guys to pray too. Is that okay? So Jesus, we're so excited for what you're doing in these amazing students. Oh, we have Jack here. Jack. We love you, Jack. Hi, buddy. Um, 
And we just thank you, God, that you are just moving and breathing and loving on each one of these. I know you're so excited. It's okay. And Lord, we thank you that um, there is a movement happening in their hearts, and that you're changing hearts and you're shifting directions and you're establishing their ways in these next coming days. And even those, I, I'm looking at you guys and I know some of you can't come and you are still part of this, okay? I want you to hear this. Don't believe a lie that because you're not coming, you're not gonna receive. That's not true. Just because you're not on summer camp, that doesn't matter. And the Lord is gonna move and breathe and um, he's gonna champion you just like he's championing the rest of these students. And moms and dads that aren't coming, I'm trusting you to be praying over these students, those that are going and those that are not going. But we're just going to say this is a marker in the ground at this time, at this point, this Kairos moment, that this is a shift for nations. You guys are meant to go forward and you're meant to call forward those that are lost, your next door neighbor, your best friend that's making bad choices, whatever it is, that's like she said, it's world changing just when you step up into the thing that you're meant to do next. So I just pray that over you now, Lord. We thank you for your move in this house and in the many youth around Castle Rock. We say Castle Rock will be a place where the students know your name and they have a relationship. It's not just about knowing about something. It's knowing uh, it's knowing the Lord. And I want you to hear this. And I was in the bathroom earlier. And guys, I forgot to order the pizza, so it is ordered for lunch tomorrow. We are not going to starve. And the Lord said, I was frustrated about something. I'm like, oh, this stuff's always happening to me. And the Lord was just saying, "Um, Christy, I'm not doing things to you. I'm doing things for you. And I feel like that's what he's saying over us. Sometimes we think like something's happening to us, but the Lord's doing something for us on our behalf, though we don't understand it. Okay? All right. Brooke, Eric, oh, there you are. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for teaching us tonight that it's not about doing, but it's about being. And I just pray that each one of these students would just be able to step into the fact that they just get to be a daughter or they just get to be a son, that we don't have to go do anything big, but we just get to be your sons and daughters, that we just get to sit at your feet in your presence, that we just get to listen Like Lisa's kids were just asking you simple questions like, Jesus, where were you in this moment? Or Jesus, what do you want me to say in this moment? That we just get to ask you. We just get to come at your feet and just ask you. So I just pray over each and every one of these students that they would just be sons and daughters. That they would just sit at your feet and dwell in your presence and listen for your voice. That all of the answers come from that. They all come from that. Lord, I just ask that you would just come into this room, Lord, right now. I ask that you would just fill our hearts and fill our hearts to know you and to worship your name throughout these days that we'll be in camp, Lord. Ask that right now you just press in, Lord. Press into our hearts, press into our lives right now. Press into the youth lives, the parents' lives, the pastors and leaders, Lord. Ask that we'll all have full hearts to know you and worship you, Lord. Thank you for a good day today, Lord. Thank you that we'll have a good day 
been a good week at camp, Lord. Thank you that you oppress sin and we'll get full and fulfill. Amen. Have you guys just all put your hand on your heart? And this is going to be between you and the Lord. At the end of the day, you can hear a lot of things. You can hear a lot of people speak to you. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's the things that you're going to allow to go into your heart. It's the, thing that, it's the things that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. As others are speaking to you, the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to say. We're going to just say this out loud. And you can say it with words, but uh, God actually looks at the heart. And he's looking for a pure heart. He's looking for a tender heart. He's looking for one that is open to him. And so just put your hand on your heart. Put your right hand or your left hand on your heart. And it's just, and this is a prayer between you and the Lord. Just say, Jesus, I open my heart to you. I ask you to do whatever you want to do. Have your way in my heart. In my heart, I love you because you first loved me. Holy Spirit, move me. Allow my heart to become like your heart. So I, I release all to you right now. I humble myself before you. I depend upon you, not my own ways, not my own thoughts. You speak to me. I'll listen, and I'll move according to your ways. In Jesus' name.